every journey begins in the mind. A flight of imagination. A vision of what might lie across the universe. Or within the deepest regions of the subconscious. Dr. Edward Pretorius is about to embark on such a journey. It's out of control. You've got to turn it off. Something's coming. What the hell is that? I'm going to kiss you. They call this a movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Call This a Movie. We're part of the Main Damie Network. And to find more from us, check out the website at themaindamie.com or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the Main Damie. We are also now a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find them at gvnation.com. Welcome back to They Call This a Movie. This is Anthony Del Vecchio. With me, as always, is Dan Aquino and Mark Meyer. Say hello, gentlemen. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hello. I thought for the first like five minutes or so of this movie, I was watching the wrong one. Because I did not recognize Jeffrey Coombs at all. You didn't because recognize him? I had only him? I'd only seen him in Reanimator, so for some reason I just the glasses. It was like a Clark Kent Superman uh, he moment. Pulled the Clark Kent on you. <laughs> <laughs> That's classic does, Jeffrey Coombs. Does he does he not have glasses in Reanimator? He does wear glasses in Reanimator, and this he doesn't. Oh, I thought he did in this one too. Anyway, yes, before we get into this week's movie, guys, what did you watch this week? Dude, we don't have time. <laughs> I'll break it down. I, I just finished watching 30 Days of Night, and that kind of prompted, like, whatever happened to Josh Hartnett? And I was like, then you watch the rest of the movie, like, oh, yeah, that's what happened to Josh Hartnett. Watched the entire Conjuring series, essentially, like Annabelle, Conjuring, oh, wow. Conjuring 2, all of the Insidious movies. Wow. Yeah, we got a lot done. First two uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movies, the first two Friday the 13th movies. I think there's definitely more in there. We're, we're watching Bly Manor. Like, it's just like nonstop horror movies, man. <laughs> it's We don't have time to, to go over everything. <laughs> All right. What's your impressions of Bly Manor real quick? It's not a horror show, really. Have you gentlemen watched it? Yes. No. Okay, so I'm not going to give it away, but... It's not as creepy as Hill House. Mm-hmm. I think Hill House really, it leaned more on the poltergeisty kind of thing and definitely the haunted house aspect. Bly Manor is really just a tragedy masquerading mm-hmm. as a horror. Sure. Uh, but the acting's really good, uh, except for the main character, Danny, who I don't, 
it's like she like when people say, oh, that person looks like they have a stick up their butt. Like she walks constantly as if there's something just lodged <laughs> firmly up there. But yeah, I, I really the kids are really good. Yeah, I like everyone except for her. And then not that she's bad. It's just that she's probably the weakest link sure. in the show. What about you, Mark? What have you watched? Nothing at all. Great for Dan. <laughs> Perfect. Moving <laughs> on. This week, uh, I haven't watched this much this week because I was away this weekend. So uh, I watched a few that I wrote articles for, including Scare Me from 2020, which was good. Not really much of a horror movie, but very good. I watched Holidays, which was terrible. Oh, that's so bad. <laughs> it, it, I, it brought back memories when you said, oh, Seth Green. I'm like, ugh. Yeah, yeah. I remember that one. Ooh, that's a bad one. The only one worth mentioning is the Father's Day story of that. And it's not really much of a horror story, much more is it like just very sad. Mm-hmm. And then it just like ends on a horror note. And we're like, ah, you cut this a minute shorter. And it's like a really excellent short film. But yeah, that sucked. The Kevin Smith one is the worst. He's like the biggest name attached to that. And his story is so bad. I don't think he's good at horror. Have you ever seen Tusk? I didn't hate Tusk. This might be the second worst thing he's ever done. The first being Yoga Hosers. Yoga Hosers. is de- That's another horror movie that he yeah. did. That might be the worst thing anybody's done. That could be one <laughs> of the worst movies I've ever seen. For At least from an, an accomplished director. Sure. Yeah. Death Metal Zombies is much worse than Yoga Hosers. <laughs> but it has an excuse. Right. Uh, I could, have you seen, what is it, Red State? Red State's interesting. Yeah, that's like, not too bad. No. But I think part yeah. of it has to do with the fact that John Goodman's in it, so it right. kind of carries carries the material. Yeah. But yeah, like just he's got to move on from his daughter, man. Mm-hmm. He I, really uh, does. Shit, I respect like, it. You know, I, I mean, that's yeah. your daughter. I get it. Like, like I know people pile on a lot with her, and I don't think she was. I don't think she was the worst part of the Jay and Silent Bob reboot, but she's not good in this in this short. She's like, it's probably tough because you probably haven't seen it in a while, but she's like, she's reading it directly off the script, every Mm -hmm. line. And it's like, she's maybe has like five or six lines throughout the whole movie. And they're all just really poorly delivered. I give her the benefit of the doubt. I think this is a a Sandler-esque type of thing going on where, Mm -hmm. you know, Sandler always hires his buddies. Yeah. And his wife and his kids. Yeah. Yeah. He just gets everyone he loves in there. And I get it. It's cool. And Kevin Smith is that guy, you know, he he just has his buddies around him at all times. And, you know, his his daughter is someone that he cares about, obviously. But, you know, maybe later in life, she'll become a better actress. Yeah. Who knows? But I get it. I understand. I would do the same thing if I were a famous director and my kid was just like, <laughs> I want to be in the movie, daddy. OK, read these lines. <laughs> yeah, I guess part of it, too, is like he's got to be 50 at this point, And it's like. All right, guy, time to get in. Like, I feel the same way with Adam Sandler. It's like, mm-hmm. it's time to get a new shtick. Yeah. Like, Adam Sandler does do these movies where he's an actual actor, and that's great. But, like, your bread and butter needs to grow up a little bit. Sure. Yeah. You need to evolve just a tad. Yeah. And I think that's the problem with a lot of these comedian guys. When you get into their 40s and their 50s, they're, like, they're still doing the same things that made them famous. And things evolve. You know, the world, you know, the sensibilities of comedy changes very quickly. It was like, when's the last time you saw a good Will Ferrell movie? It's because he's still doing the same yeah. thing he did 18 years ago. And it's like, well, comedy's moved on now. We've, we're interested in seeing other things. But that's that's my rant on holidays. We saw Color <laughs> Out of Space, 
which is the Nicolas Cage H.P. Lovecraft movie, which is weird as hell, and he gets all cagey. And then revisits Rocky Horror Picture Show, rewatched that, was watching The Evil Dead, didn't get to finish it. I feel like there's something else too, but I don't remember. Uh, there's so many. Oh, I watched Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, which is actually my favorite Michael Myers sequel. Really? Yes. Is that the one when the little girl is like supposed to be Michael? At the end, yes. Yes, okay. So yeah. four that one was terrible. Four and five uh, followed Jamie, the girl. Mm-hmm. And five is when she's a mute throughout of it because of the events of the fir- fourth one. I think that's the Thorn trilogy, right? Isn't that what they right. call it? Right, six. Yeah. Four, five, and six are the Thorn trilogy. Yeah. yeah. Five is the one where they introduce the man in the hat. Yes, the bl- yeah, the man in black, pretty much, yeah. right? Yeah. And Paul Rudd is in six. Yes. Yeah. He's a weird Tommy. trilogy. Yeah. Yes, Tommy Doyle. Tommy but Doyle. Four, is, four, I think, is very good. I like yeah. Four. I still think, you know, it goes Halloween, Halloween 3, mm-hmm. Halloween 2, and then, like, everything else is kind of blurry. But I would say I do remember Halloween 4 out of all of them. Yeah. So I would probably put it there. I just I like 4 more than I like 2. Okay. I don't know why. And you could, I feel like you could easily just flip-flop those. Yeah. And that's about all I watched this week, except for this week's movie. And it was Dance Choice, which was actually a movie I had watched before you picked it. So it actually took away from one of my articles. <laughs> oh, I'm, I apologize. We do that a lot. Yeah. Well, we've done it more than once. Yeah. For our um, our Halloween one-shot that you did last year, yeah. I wound up choosing a character that like specifically interfered with your idea. <laughs> Okay, well, we need to not do that again. So yeah. uh, here I am again, just trampling okay. all over your genius. You know what? I, I would have watched the movie twice anyway, so it's fine. Oh, cool. So yeah. you want to introduce this week's movie? Yeah, absolutely. So this week I chose From Beyond, the H.P. Lovecraft movie. I don't know why I chose it. I'd never seen it, and it just looked interesting. I'd never, I'd never even like heard anything about it. But it was on Shutter. I was just kind of going through. I'm like, oh, this looks pretty cool. It was one of the first movies that they had up there. I looked it up. It had pretty good ratings. I thought it seemed right up our alley. Okay. Uh, what about you, Mark? Where are you coming from with From Beyond? The only thing I knew about it was after Dan had mentioned it, he mentioned that it had the people from Reanimator in it, and I was excited. It was one of those where going into it, I was I was more like looking forward to it than being like apprehensive to some of the other movies because I hadn't heard of them before until I realized that I had the correct movie on because I had to go to IMDb. I'm like, oh, so, yeah, okay, that is the same guy. I was fully in from like moment one, like when that, you know, that creature comes and bites him in the face. I'm like, okay, I need to find out what this is all about. And, <laughs> you know, it, it got me immediately. I know it's kind of weird to figure out which horror movies I get into, <laughs> but they just need to hook me early, when, and this one did. That that opening scene's real good. Okay, yeah. I hadn't seen this movie before. I believe the first time I heard about it was from, I think Red Letter Media did a review of that, so it's kind of like their their special programming where they've kind of taken old older movie that they've seen before and kind of revisit it a little bit and do like a full like 30 to 40 minute review of it. That's the first time I think I've ever heard of it. And I hadn't seen it before I watched it this past week. And it's wild, man. It's the horniest movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, <laughs> I find that hard to believe. Uh, it's probably not, but man, that, this movie is fucking horny. Yeah. Just kind of like out of nowhere. <laughs> I'm not like saying I disapprove of it yeah. because it's pretty excellent. 
But uh, yeah, just like all of a sudden, it turns up the horny factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Dan, what what would you say like quick quickest synopsis of this movie? What did what did give us a synop quick brief like twenty five words or less essentially? Two scientists have a machine who I guess opens or no it 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 reveals these like ghost like creatures or other dimension like creatures and when you turn it on it drives you crazy or like i guess it awakens an inner desire of yours mm-hmm. and crazy creature designs barbara crampton in bondage gear ken foray in like super short shorts <laughs> and banana yeah. hammocks basically but yeah it sex dungeons but yeah i think that kind of sums it up it there's a device you turn it on you see weird creatures it drives you crazy and makes you horny and just awesome special effect, like awesome practical effects in this movie. If you like practical effects like I do, you're going to love this movie. Yeah. So essentially it's supposed to awaken your pineal glands, which is supposed to, is, is considered the third eye, which is supposed to give you that sixth sense into this other dimension that kind of lays on top of ours. But because we don't have that sixth sense, we can't see it except for when this device is on. The pineal gland is also what people think is calcified when you drink fluoridated water. Oh, it makes really? you docile. Yes. For uh-huh. the crazy people out there. <laughs> we haven't forgotten about you, crazy people. We hear you. But they, the they're gland. seen now. <laughs> our, our one our one listener from like the deep state or something like that. It's like finally they they realize. Yep, it's for you. Yeah, so that's essentially what, what this device is doing. And that's why we have those little warm penises shooting out of uh, Jeffrey Combs' head. <laughs> I, yeah, I I didn't quite understand what that was. I, they did a quick, Barbara Crampton's character does mention, like, oh, I think that's the, the pineal gland. I'm like, I don't know what that means. I'm not smart enough to understand that. So I'm just going to yeah. shut my mouth and, you know, make sure. Like, oh, yeah, I get that. Cool, yeah. <laughs> and essentially the worm penises are basically the third eye is what it's supposed to be. Yeah, everything's so phallic. 100%. I think Lovecraft had some things going on, man. Yeah. I was just reading. Yeah. I was just reading up about him, (laughs) and it all makes sense because he's a sub sixer. Yeah. He tiptoes the line, but he's he's below six, and that you know, as we all know, sub six footers, we're all nuts. Yep. You're all crazy. Yep. Not like me though. (laughs) No, you're you're the regular one in the group. (laughs) Yeah, this movie's wild. I love it. It was great. Yeah. It was a fun watch. Agreed. Yeah, I, yeah, like I agree with everything Dan said with the creature design. Yeah, I, I more lean towards practical effects too for this stuff because it just makes it either seem much more campier or uh, a lot more creepier depending on what the practical effect is. So that's why I lean more towards that. The special effects can be way too cheesy. I just think the the overacting at times. <laughs> In this, especially um, when they're supposed to be under the influence of the machine, just made me laugh. Especially the the scientist at, in the beginning that you see later, just anytime he's on screen. Mm. Dr. Yeah. Edward Pretorius. It's, yep. He hams it up. Man. He, he yeah. and Jeffrey Combs, they ham it up real good. Yeah, it's real. <laughs> uh, it's real. I like how there's really only like two settings in this movie. Yeah. And the the majority of it is in the house where they Combs and Ted Sorrell they do their experiment. I like that idea that it's really just it's almost like a bottle movie. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't feel like it. 
Like it, no. it feels like the house is so expansive and so much is being done in that house that like, oh, where are they going next? Like they're in yeah. the basement, they're in the attic, they're in the sex dungeon, they're in the kitchen. They're but it, it doesn't feel tight. So it, it works. Yeah. yeah, it's it's the opposite of Phantasm, where I got bored by the lack of sets in that. But in this, it's probably less than what's in that movie. And I was in the whole time just because things happen in the sets. There's not really any downtime. I think the worst downtime is like when you're introduced to Barbara Crampton's character and then after the first night, you know, when they're eating breakfast. Outside of that, there's always something happening or something like that's got you your tension up. And I think that's what makes it different for me from that movie and why I'm into one over the other, despite that thing they share in terms of lack of sets. Sure. It's a pretty tight movie too. It's only 85 minutes long. So it's, it gets going and keeps going. Yeah. From beyond from 1986 directed by Stuart Gordon. And this is our third Stuart Gordon film. We've done reanimator and dolls in the past. And unfortunately, Stuart Gordon died this past March. So rest in peace, Stuart. This is the first time we've uh, done a movie of his posthumously. Written by Dennis Paoli, based on an H.P. Lovecraft story. Stars Jeffrey Combs, Barbara Crampton, Ken Ferre, Ted Sorrell, Carolyn Purdy Gordon, Bunny Summers, Bruce McGuire. Rotten Tomatoes score of 78%, IMDb score of 6.7. Budget, 4.5 million. And the box office was a paltry 1.26. And <laughs> mm-hmm. a yeah. quarter of what it cost. So I could see that. Yeah, this isn't. this yeah. is definitely not for everyone. Yeah. I'm surprised they gave them $4.5 million to do this movie, to be honest with you. Well, I don't remember, and we don't really have to look it up, but was Reanimator enough of a hit that they thought? I think Reanimator was not necessarily a smash, but it probably made its money back and more. That's yeah, so question. that's probably why like, they thought, let's give them a little more money and yeah. maybe they can do better or whatever. Sure. It's the 80s. It, it is a weird movie to give $4.5 million to, though. Yeah. They should have read the script first. Like, mm, this is a little weird. I mean, uh, the this... Super Mario Brothers movie got a hell of a lot of money. Well, I mean, it, that's got that, that name recognition, though. That's yeah. The hottest video game of all time at that point. I can tell you why. Because Reanimator only cost $900,000 and made $2 million. <laughs> so it made, it made double its money. Yeah, so that's why. So they figured out, oh, you know, we'll... we'll more than double the budget and yeah i guess they just they bet on the wrong horse there it's it's not meant for everyone i would consider this more of a cult movie again jeffrey combs is perfectly cast in this i think everyone does a good job like again we have barbara crampton crampton and jeffrey combs teaming up from reanimator so they have that connection and you can already feel that so Mm -hmm. i wonder if the the studio realized oh you know you know they did so well on reanimator together Let's let's pair them up again. And I mean, Ken Foray, he is a big time horror icon mm-hmm. and he's just cool as shit. So uh, you put those together, you feel like you got a winning formula. Yeah, I think it works, too. Yeah, but it should. And I mean, four point five million dollars really is is not that much when it comes down to it. So it yeah. probably was not that not that big of a gamble to give Stuart Gordon that kind of money. But yeah, no, I enjoyed this movie. But it's like but as you said, it's a cult movie and like because. Two of us are really into horror, and this is the first time either of us are seeing this movie. So yeah. it shows you how kind of deep in the woods we're talking here. Every Halloween or October, I always feel like we discover a little hidden gem. And I think for uh, October 2020, this was my hidden gem. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You guys want to get into the plot? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Sure. 
Uh, Dan, what you got for us? All right. So I am here to tell you about our good friend Tia and her top 10 with Tia podcast. I almost said Tia Carrera. I don't know why. <laughs> Tia, I apologize. I think someone sent me a, a, a gif or a gif of, of Tia. Sorry. Anyway, go check out Top 10 with Tia. It's a weekly podcast where Tia and her friends get together and they discuss top 10 lists every week. She's awesome. You could follow her on Twitter at TC underscore Stark. She's a good friend of ours. She's just a good person in general. Go check her out. Okay, and we're going to take a quick break, but before we do, we're going to take a quick second to listen to some messages from friends of the podcast. So we will be right back. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoGuroParleyHour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info, and Parlay Points, our companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Welcome, travelers. It seems like you're looking for a story. Well, I got one for you. It involves adventure, friendship, and all hey, sorts hey, of... Hey, uh, Earl, why don't you tell him about that time I stole that big-ass melon? Yeah, yeah, I, I was going for more... Or you could tell him about the time I kicked your ass, Earl. I wouldn't ever tell him Do I need to get time. my ref gear on? Okay, everyone, shut up. Now come with me as I tell you a story from afar. Hey everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A From Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance, brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks. And welcome back, and now it's time to get into the plot of From Beyond. We open on Jeffrey Combs, hard at work typing on an 80s period computer. As the computer flashes a ready alert, he goes off and starts flipping sw- switches and dials on a variety of machines. They all seem to be connected to this pyre-like structure in the middle of the room. Combs flips a switch that turns on this glowing light. The room lights up pink and wind starts emitting from somewhere. Suddenly, he sees a worm-like creature float above his head and then is attacked by it, biting him on the cheek. He turns off the machine and then runs downstairs. He runs downstairs and bangs on a locked door, telling Ed- Dr. Edward Pretorius that the resonator has worked. So Pretorius comes up to the attic and turns on the resonator. Combs grabs his head and Edward starts freaking out, saying he wants to see more than any man has ever seen. <laughs> Combs That's never tries... a good thing, right? No. When someone like forcefully grabs you and says, I want to see more than I've ever seen, that's <laughs> that's a huge red flag. Yep. In any situation, not just when you yeah, have a giant yeah, science just... experiment in the middle of the room. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if, if Jen were to run down the stairs right now and grab me by the head and tell me she wants to see more than anyone has ever seen, I would probably flee for my life. <laughs> <laughs> Call the cops, guys. I got to go. So Combs tries to turn off the machine, but he can't. He says the resonator is running itself, and then Edward says something is coming. Meanwhile, a nosy neighbor tries to call the cops on them, and then her dog runs out of the house towards the house. So she chases after She follows the dog into the house and up the stairs, where she starts hearing Edward and Jeffrey Combs arguing. I only call him Jeffrey Combs here because he hasn't been named yet. She finds the dog, she picks him up, her dog Bunny, who has found itself at a closed door. At that moment, an axe comes through the door, and then Jeffrey Combs comes running out, and they both go running down the steps out of the house. She drops the dog, who runs up to the attic. The cops show up, just as both of them get to the gates, and Combs gets arrested, and the woman remembers that her dog is there. And then we then see Bunny sniffing about 
the prone body of Dr. Pretorius, who has no head. And then credits. The entire time that this was going on, my inner homeowner in me just kept <laughs> thinking, their electric bill must be through the roof. <laughs> With all of these science experiments, man, mm-hmm. that, I can only imagine how much they're paying for that. Well, it comes into play, too, because they have to reroute all the electricity to the attic. Right. So <laughs> it's just like, I was like, man, imagine if we had that in my house. It would just be like PSE and G would have a fucking fit. Mm-hmm. So the credits roll, and then we cut to the mental institution. A doctor of the mental facility is introduced to Dr. Dr. Catherine McMichaels, played by Barbara Crampton, who's being frumped down. She is a year away since Reanimator, and they're trying to make her look really mousy. McMichaels has been hired by the DA's office to evaluate Crawford, a.k.a. Jeffrey Combs, to see if he is fit to stand trial for the murder of Edward Pretorius. Catherine gets led down a hallway and looks into some of the rooms, and there's always a guy jerking off. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's what every movie producer and director thinks crazy people do. They just jerk off constantly. (laughs) It's like like, Silence of the Lambs, it happens. I feel like it happens in the Green Mile. Yeah, yeah. If if there's someone in a cell, there's a good chance, at least a 50-50 chance they're rubbing one out. Right. You're probably going to get cum thrown on you if they ha- if they <laughs> if given the chance. <laughs> that's Especially if you're an attractive woman. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know how true that is. I doubt that's very true. <laughs> I ho- at least I hope that's it, it's fake and that's not something that happens constantly. Like There's a medical journal out there like, and then I came back in and there was semen everywhere. That's the... That's the true origin story of Harley Quinn. <laughs> right. The, the, the Joker. <laughs> I think Jonathan Demi just saw From Beyond and he's like, I'm going to steal that for Silence of the Lambs. My <laughs> prestige picture. <laughs> I do want to see that in the gritty reboot. That that should be in the air cut, Mark. Yeah. It's, the Joker but, just throws his, his semen at Harley Quinn. Right. And that's kind of like what turns her white. No, it's uh, <laughs> I would imagine that Jared Leto actually did that on the set. Probably. I wanted to get closer to Margot Robbie. So I just jerked off in front of her. She ran away screaming, but I thought it really created the chemistry. They're the classic hero, Louis C.K. <laughs> I was going to say classic <laughs> Louis C.K. move. <laughs> I, that was his protege. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he came to him to to learn what it's like to method act. Right. Jerk off in front of somebody. I just lock him in the room, really. I mean, <laughs> there's really no like secret to it, Jared. Just, you know, get him in a tight space and go to Whip town. <laughs> Sometimes I tell them I'm jer- jerking off over the phone when I'm not. <laughs> right. It's a, it's a total mind fuck. <laughs> they don't know I'm not. Right. <laughs> and that's the power. <laughs> A hold for a hold for cut. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, eventually she was brought in to meet Crawford. We find out Crawford is a physicist, and he says he was assisting Pretorius with his experiments. The experiments were attempting to awaken the pineal gland, also believed to be the third eye, and it's supposedly it's to awaken a new sense, the sixth sense, of course. Crawford says that it worked, and talks about the fact that they saw creatures. Crawford says that it, quote-unquote, came and bit off Pretorius's head. As Crawford gets agitated, the attending doctors have the orderlies come in and to restrain him and ushers Catherine out. And Catherine orders a CAT scan to be done on Crawford. Crawford freaks out while he's in the CAT scan, but according to the CAT scan, his pineal gland is enlarged and is growing. So Catherine wants to recreate the experiment with Crawford in order to figure out what happened, despite the attending doctors' protests. 
the DA relents, saying they don't have much evidence against Crawford anyway, so they might not. He might not get convicted in trial, so he puts her puts Crawford into the care of Catherine. So Crawford gets released into Catherine's custody, and she tells him that she believes him and wants to recreate recreate the experiment. He begrudgingly accepts, and then they meet with Detective Bubba Brownlee. That's an awesome name. <laughs> yeah. Played by Kevin Foray, who will be accompanying them to the Pretorius house. Yeah. That sounds like somebody that would be a huge college football star in the late 70s. Oh, yeah. Bubba Brownlee. <laughs> that is definitely a football name. Doesn't matter what position on the field. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned earlier that he's a horror icon. He's Dawn of the Dead, obviously. Yeah. And he he's just so cool in this, too. And he has some good lines. He dresses fucking wild. I mean, not wild, but just like, I just keep imagining the short shorts, the the bright red <laughs> short shorts. Bra- the bikini briefs. Yeah. It's like, wow, man. Like, that's a, that's a statement. <laughs> just bulge. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and when he runs down the stairs in nothing but his underwear and just like full on, man, not even trying to hide. They didn't even need to stuff it. It was just like, that's that's one hundred percent Ken. Pure, pure. Ken <laughs> Foray. <laughs> How come Ken Foray doesn't dance anymore? I like to see that. Yeah. Who wouldn't? They go to the house and Crawford is not pleased, but Catherine tells him it's the only way for him to become a free man. So they go into the house, they go into the foyer, and Bubba falls over a set of giant electrical cables where Crawford says he had to rewire the house because they needed more power. And then all of a sudden Crawford just mysteriously disappears. So Bubba and Catherine find the circuit breakers and turn on the power then follow the electrical cables up the stairs while they go searching for Crawford. Catherine hears a woman screaming, follows the sound upstairs to a kinky sex room where Bubba is playing a video of Pretorius having S&M sex with a woman. They then head up to the attic. There's a chalk outline of a body without a head up there, which made me laugh. <laughs> that was great. And like how they had... It was like not even like just like a a half circle where the head would be. It was like a perfectly traced how the head was chopped up. Right. <laughs> yeah, that was someone's job, and they did a good one. Yeah. yeah. yeah nobody half asses it. You got it, man. Or else I would fuck up the investigation. How would how great would it have been if they did like a, a artist's like depiction of what the head they think the head might have been? <laughs> just just like a random like maybe he had an afro or maybe he had something else going on there. <laughs> then Crawford jumps out of the shadows with an axe looking like he was trying to attack Catherine but he was actually trying to destroy the resonator Crawford mentions that the spot of the chalk outline is where it ate him and that leads to a transition of Ken Foray cooking up some dinner so later they're back up at the attic and Crawford is working on the resonator while Catherine is asleep Crawford and Bubba kind of stare at her as she sleeps which is kind of creepy but then Crawford tells Bubba that Pretorius would often bring women over to the house, wine them, dine them, but would always end in screaming. Says the five senses wasn't enough for Pretorius. Catherine awakes and Crawford says the resonator is ready. So Crawford gives some instructions specifically not to move when the resonator is on and they are in the vibration field, then flips the switch. So Crawford and Catherine start to react, getting real horny-like, staring at each other. Bubba sees the creatures, which are little squid-looking things, so he heads towards them, reaches out, and one of them attacks his arm. Crawford goes to turn off the resonator, but then he hears the voice of Pretorius, and Pretorius comes out from behind the resonator stark naked. Says he didn't die, he just passed to the beyond. And Crawford doesn't believe it, so he says, why don't you touch me if it pleases you to see that I am real? So Crawford walks up to him and touches him on the shoulder, and his shoulder kind of sinks into his fingers like silly putty. 
And he peels off his own face and says, bodies change, but his mind is indivisible. Yeah, this is like the beginning of the really cool designs. The uh, Pretorius goes through a bunch of transformations, yeah. each one more grotesque than the last. Yeah. It's really, really good. It's very creative. Mm-hmm. This is like they... the third movie in a row where we had like excellent practical effects. Yes. And it's most of them are in the 80s. Yep. So it's like they perfected it. Yeah, it's so good with it. Pretorius is a madman, and it, it really shines through on how he looks. It's almost like his real his real self comes out. It reminded me of The Thing. Yeah, very much. The, a lot of the different transformations. It was really cool, man. I just, I love that he's dripping and goopy and just, like, really freaky. And, uh, yeah, that's something that you don't see a lot every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then his head splits open. And weird tentacle-like monster comes out, and Bubba shoots at it, and Crawford turns off the machine, and he disappears. But Bubba, in turn, throws up in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> the next morning, Catherine is exhilarated about the discovery. She says there might be a correlation between schizophrenia and an enlarged pineal gland. Also, the stimulation of the pineal gland may cause sexual stimulation, because Bubba reports that he had an erection <laughs> after this. It would have been funny if, like, yeah, it, it definitely is because I am in no way attracted to you, Crawford. <laughs> I just want to let you know that I think you are abysmal. There's no chance that you and I get together. So Catherine wants to run the experiment again. Both Bubba and Crawford are against it. She says everyone sleep on it and they'll figure it out after. They go to sleep and Catherine wakes up from her sleep with a headache, then heads up to the attic to examine the resonator. As Crawford and Bubba sleep, she turns on the resonator. As she turns it on, Crawford's pineal gland starts to throb, and he heads upstairs. He tells her to turn it off, and she says she needs to see more, just like Edward Pretorius said. He goes to turn it off, but she stops him by pulling him towards her and kissing him. As Crawford goes to turn it off, Pretorius shows up as a melty, gooey version of himself. He grabs Catherine by the neck and pulls her towards him. So then Crawford makes a break for it and runs downstairs to turn off the circuit breaker. Meanwhile, Pretorius rips Catherine's nightgown open and threatens to kiss her. His head then opens and a creature comes out and starts trying to eat her. So Bubba and Crawford go to the basement and find a worm creature downstairs. So I should mention, because it's not in my notes, that Bubba tackles Crawford down the steps because he thinks he's trying to escape. It's such a good form tackle. And then they hit the stairs. And I'm like, how did neither of them die? And he's in his (laughs) underwear. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's a bold move to... To tackle someone down the stairs in your underwear. Yeah. Well, he was a football player, right? I'm sure yeah. all kinds of shenanigans happened mm-hmm. in the locker room. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, Jeffrey Combs' character is just looking, he had underwear on. Yeah. Do, do you think Combs was just kind of like, he looked down, he's like, oh, really? Come on, man. <laughs> I know. It's, I know. You don't have to show everyone. Come on. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. And poor Barbara Crampton. She's always just getting pawed at by weird things in the 80s. <laughs> right. Yeah, disembodied heads, weird creatures from the beyond. Yeah, it's a little uh, it's a little nerve-wracking if you're her. Like, you're reading a script like, all right, who fondles me now? Oh, Stuart, you crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so they go down to the base with a giant worm creature. So Bubba goes back to the kitchen to grab a knife as Crawford tries to turn the power off. Bubba stabs it, but doesn't do much. And the worm starts trying to eat Crawford. Bubba manages to pull the power cord and the resonator turns off. So both Catherine and Crawford are dropped as the creatures disappear. Creature ate all of Crawford's hair and Catherine cries as she turns off the switch on the resonator. So they bring Crawford to the sex room to rest. And Catherine says that she needs to continue the experiments without distraction. 
Bubba tells her that he's taking Crawford back and she's acting like a junkie. He tells her to get dressed and he le- he leaves to get the car ready. As Bubba packs up the van, Catherine gets all horny all over again, all over the sex equipment, and she finds a dominatrix outfit, which she immediately puts on and it fits her perfectly. She then climbs on top of an unconscious Crawford and straddles him. But Bubba walks in and is like, girl, what is you doing? <laughs> I forget. Does he kind of like watch her for a bit or is it a just immediate? Hey, what the hell? I think it's like a, hey, what the hell? Okay. It's an interesting scene. Did you mention how Crawford is essentially, he looks like Gollum at this point? <laughs> he, he he looks worse for the wear, definitely. Yeah. So the weird worm-like creature in the basement pretty much swallows him whole almost, mm-hmm. or at least up to the waist, and he spits him out bald. Yeah. Right? He's bald. Yeah. And <laughs> yep. Yeah. It makes sense later, but I was like, that's so weird. Why are they doing this? <laughs> and they just needed a reason to make him bald. <laughs> yeah, basically. Like, well, what are we going to do, guys? I don't know. Just have him, like, you know, someone throw acid on him. Like, no, how about we get a giant fucking worm to eat him? And he just, he has no hair. He's done. Brilliant. <laughs> you, you struck gold. Let's do this. Yeah, so she's straddling him as Bubba tells her what the fuck's going on. So she tries to come on to Bubba, and he barely resists, but he grabs her and forces her to look in the mirror and says, look at yourself. Is this who you want to be? And she cries and says she doesn't even know anymore. What if she said yes? I think she starts crying. Yeah, I do. Okay, baby. (laughs) It's go time. (laughs) (laughs) Then meanwhile, Pretorius turns on the resonator from the beyond, and Crawford wakes up. So the three of them run up and turn off the machine, but Bubba tries to turn off the machine and gets zapped. So Catherine and Crawford get attacked by insects, but then the insects turn on Bubba and they eat him, basically leaving a a half-eaten body. Such a good kill. Yeah. So good. The effects are so well done. It's like like he's melting into the floor, essentially. Mm -hmm. But his face is there, part of his arm is still there, but everything else is like skeleton and... Oh, it's such a good kill. I love that's my favorite of the entire movie. Yeah, it's pretty well done. So then the Pretorius monster shows up with all his gooey tentacles. Catherine goes to grab a fire extinguisher, but one of Edward's appendages grabs her by the throat. Resonator continues to work on Crawford and his pineal gland protrudes out of his head like a tiny little dick and Crawford collapses. Pretorius tries to envelop Catherine, but she manages to grab the fire extinguisher and douse the resonator, which turns it off. And then they wind up at the hospital. At the hospital, they work on Crawford, whose pineal gland is still moving around like a worm. Catherine gets admitted to the mental hospital somehow, which I don't think is a thing without some sort of trial. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, back in the day, they just kind of threw you in there. Yeah. If you were, you know, a woman and you were, like, you know, talking Hysterical. back to people. Yeah. yeah. She's crazy. Throw her in there. <laughs> so, I'm Catherine, you people, the earth revolves around the sun. <laughs> In you go. Witch. <laughs> Witch. <laughs> Catherine immediately gets sent for electrical shock therapy. Also a thing that probably doesn't happen. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I, they're really hamming it up in this movie. They're, yeah. they're taking all sorts of liberties. And then meanwhile, Crawford wakes up out of his bed and then sneaks away. The attending doctor goes to check on Crawford and finds that he has left, so she tells the cop to call security. Then she follows a trail of blood into the pathology lab, where she finds Crawford eating a brain. The shot when they open the door and then she puts the light on and you see Jeffrey Combs there squatting with the brain made me laugh out loud while I was watching it. <laughs> because it was, I 
I it's like a raccoon eating eating yeah, out trash. I, I was like, what? What was the direction for that? <laughs> like, why? Why squatting? Like, <laughs> it's probably exactly the note. Be a raccoon. Dude, yeah. <laughs> I just laughed that loud, and I had to do the quick ten second rewind on Shutter just to be like. That is what I saw, right? (laughs) So the doctor tries to usher Crawford back to his bed, but then his pineal gland starts to take over again, and he starts to feast on her brain. And then, meanwhile, Catherine is about to get electric shock when all the staff is put on alert to find Crawford. As they're undoing her straps to put her back in her room, she hits the orderly in the head with an overhead light and escapes. Crawford makes it to the parking lot and sees Catherine drive away in a van. Then an ambulance pulls up, bringing a patient into the hospital. Crawford attacks one of the EMTs, pulling his eyeball out, and then kills the other one. Then steals the ambulance and drives away. Catherine then makes it to the Pretorius house and heads up to the attic. Catherine sets a bomb, which I guess she just had handy, up to the resonator and goes to head out. By the way, it is the most Acme brand looking bomb (laughs) in the history of movies. And that includes Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like This looks like something that they literally, somebody saw a... Wally Coyote Roadrunner cartoon and was like, oh, that the bomb needs to, to be way bigger than it needs to be because everybody needs to know it's a bomb. Yeah. And then for some reason, she sets it for five minutes. That's standard, <laughs> I'd imagine, right? You got to give yourself movie. some time. Yeah. Also, I, I have no idea what a real bomb looks like. Do you, do any of you guys know what it really looks like? I don't think I've ever seen a bomb. Yeah, me neither. I mean, no. you know, wink, wink for the FBI, who's definitely <laughs> listening. We have no idea what they look like, so I guess that's what a bomb is. I don't know how she... She's on the run. I don't know how she acquired exactly. this bomb. <laughs> uh, she probably just... She's a scientist, man. They, they whipped that shit up in a couple minutes. She <laughs> yeah. MacGyvered it. Yeah, she had the anarchist cookbook in her back right. pocket. Right. <laughs> it's probably in that van that she happened to steal. Oh, thank God. Right. There's a bomb. What are the odds? <laughs> that's <Yeah>. lucky. <laughs> what if she stole a van that was set to blow up that hospital? Oh, then she's a hero. She's a hero. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. my god, all these bombs in here. This is super, super effective, efficient. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if I would have laughed more with the actual bomb that was there, or if she would have pulled out a novelty, old-fashioned, just circular brown thing with a little wick or black <laughs> no, yeah. thing with a little wick out the top and put. Or it like one of the TNT thing. plungers. Plunger. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been pretty good. That would have been great. I, yeah, I would like to see that in a movie. We got to bring that back. <laughs> So Catherine makes it to the Pretorius house and heads up to the attic and she sets the bomb. So she's attacked by Crawford who chains her up to the sex room and he goes to devour her head like he did the EMT and she bites off his pineal gland worm thing. Ooh, that made me uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. (laughs) Definitely deserved it though. Yeah, absolutely. Then Pretorius turns on the resonator again and Crawford argues with Pretorius calling him impotent and pathetic and then runs down the steps where he is attacked by a bat-like creature that twists his head off. The wormy creatures show up in the sex room and wind up chewing Catherine's restraints off. So then she distracts them with a little book of matches that she lights on fire. So they go to like kind of like moths to a flame, basically. She runs down the steps and sees Crawford's headless body and a bunch of worm creatures. So she heads up back to the attic. The Pretorius creature is up there and grabs her by the ankles. But then Crawford starts to emerge from Pretorius fighting with him. They're all they're kind of like a. A creature that is kind of combined, sort of like society, the end of yes. society. Yes, yeah, yeah the it's giant another, orgy. That's that's one movie we shielded you from, Mark. Yeah, okay. yeah and it's Thank available you. to watch too. It's another eighties um, masterpiece. I like that he is like completely back to normal character, like hair and all, right. at this point. 
but again, that's such a cool concept, and the yeah. way they do it, it's like the two skulls are biting each other, and he's emerging out of this giant carcass. It's so interesting and creative to look at, and it's so messy, but it's this is going to sound weird, but it's like beautiful in a way of how they decided to create it. It's not yeah. beautiful to look at, but it's just like, wow, that is so interesting. Yeah. They really outdid themselves with this movie. It's wild. They did, and that's where that four million dollar budget went. Yep. Yeah, I mean, they didn't definitely didn't go to sets because it's one set, really. Yeah. See, now if I could go back in time, I would go back to 1986 and tell people, you gotta go see From Beyond. You gotta see it. It's such a good movie. That would be my contribution to time travel. <laughs> Everyone else is saving the world, and I'm like, you gotta go see From Beyond. Yeah, you make it the number one movie of... Of 1986? Six, yeah. And this weird guy came back. <laughs> kept telling me to go see From Beyond. And uh, the Soviet Union falls three years early. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because everyone is just so... Like, everyone is united mm. from watching From Beyond. <laughs> and it's just like Barbara, Barbara Crampton. Like, go see her. She's in bondage where? Go see it. Yep. It's great. Like, Unites shit. the world. Right. Barbara Crampton, you would have saved everyone. If only people had known. So I apologize. That's on me. That's right. Well, man, hey, once you build a time machine, you have all the time in the world. That's right. Yeah, that's one. That's only one of the things I could fix. But I want that to be a movie where someone goes back in time and just fixes like such menial, stupid things that, that have huge consequences. Yeah, that are more important than like stopping Hitler or you know just like really like what people think is catastrophic right but yeah you just like fix like little little things here and there and it turns out like oh we've solved world hunger or <laughs> oh we've you know we have we stopped climate change everything is great now because dan went back and told everyone to watch from beyond <laughs> <laughs> so pretorius and crawford fight meanwhile Catherine manages to break free and she jumps out the window just as the bomb goes off the attic explodes and Catherine lands on the ground, breaking her leg in at least two places. No idea why we needed to see that. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I don't know why. The movie's yeah. over. <laughs> Just you throw an ins uh, adding insult to injury there. <laughs> yeah, I mean she did she did jump from the attic, so it's realistic, sure, but it's the end of the movie, man. Like, right. why, why we gotta? Yeah. Well, we gotta throw another this injury at her. Doesn't live in realism, so it's not. <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say, yeah. Oh man, if we don't show her breaking her legs, everybody's not gonna buy into everything else in this movie. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. There's not creatures that my third eye can see because Barbara Crampton survived the jump out of the attic. The That's at least a twenty-foot jump. I yeah, mean, I don't, I don't think they invented the superhero landing yet. That's right. <laughs> the three-point <laughs> three landing. landing. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just, I just thought, like, yeah, it's kind of, it's a little messed up. She goes through <laughs> all that, and like, yeah, you survived, but you broke your ankle, or you broke your leg. <laughs> they had twenty thousand dollars left in the budget. They're like, ah, what are we gonna do with this? <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's give a broken leg prosthetic. <laughs> well, what are you gonna do with the rest of ten grand? Well, we'll just split it up. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it goes missing. I don't <laughs> remember seeing ten grand. Do you? Wink, wink. <laughs> All of a sudden, this is a twenty thousand dollar prosthetic leg. <laughs> right. Yeah, they write it off. Yeah, hey, listen, man, you don't know how much these things cost. We had to, we had to build multiple of them. Yeah, seven of them to be exact. <laughs> seven, yeah, right? Seventy grand. <laughs> yeah, it's just a weird way to end the movie. Your hero 
woman breaking her legs. <laughs> right. And also, to be fair, she's not the hero. They make her out to be the hero, but she's the cause of it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And she's she at first I kept thinking, like, well, this is kind of interesting because you have the the female protagonist who's kind of the villain where she she goes above and beyond what she should be doing. Mm-hmm. And she wants this to happen. Where yeah. And I, I kept thinking Jeffrey Combs, Crawford, he's the real hero of the story. But it's mm-hmm. it's really, they're both the hero, I guess. But to me, she didn't come across as the heroine. Right. No, you're you're wrong. It's Brownlee. Oh, he's yeah. Well, I, I wanted him to make it. But the way he goes out you is don't. just too goddamn good. Yeah, you don't know Lovecraft. Anyway. No, well, I, I've heard. I've heard. Let's just say he probably wouldn't be happy with the the uh, HBO series. <laughs> He's rolling around in his grave with Frank <laughs> Frey survived. Just constant like 360s. What the fuck? I keep hearing this weird whirring sound coming from his grave. <laughs> oh man. Ah, racism. Yeah. I didn't know anything about H.P. Lovecraft to be honest. So I I knew he was an older writer. I didn't realize how old he was. He was born like 1890. Yeah. I, I thought yeah. he was around like Tolkien, like 1920, 1930 kind of thing. Nope. Uh, Gothic. He, Gothic era. Yeah, he's old as shit. And that's why he's burning in hell. That's probably what's <laughs> happening if that's <laughs> yeah. what you believe in. But he gave us Cthulhu, so. He did. That's an awesome Metallica song. Go check it out. Call of Cthulhu. Gave us Cthulhu, gave us From Beyond, gave us At the Mouth of Madness. In the Mouth of Madness, bunch of great stuff. Yeah, it's just, you know, you you. it's one of those things where do you separate the art from the artist? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because he was a raging asshole in real, <laughs> in real life. Well, luckily these movies have been able to extract the good yes. from yeah. from his from his writing. That's true. Yeah, and you, you take creative freedoms. Yep. It's, it's Stuart Gordon's now. It ain't yours. <laughs> yep. Suck on it, asshole. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Lovecraft. Uh, so Catherine Lance breaks her leg, and the neighbors all come out to see the commotion, including the neighbor from the beginning. The neighbor says she's called the fire department and asks Catherine what happened, and she says exactly what Jeffrey Combs says at the beginning. It ate him. And then the credits. The, the end scene should have been, oh my god, my leg. <laughs> it hurts scene. She's well, just cramp. Is the cramp. end of the movie where she's laughing... Yes, she cackles. Meant to be yeah. that she's like got whatever the creatures are in her. Is that Look, the thing? It's you don't cackle sort of... at, without having a little bit of mental, <laughs> mental craziness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my experience working in New York, walking the streets, anytime someone was cackling, you tried to avoid those people. You wanted to like, all right, I'm gonna go on the other side of the road now because those people were probably a little crazy. Right. Yeah, you stay away from people that cackle. That's for yeah. damn sure. Yeah, that's that's a big rule. Life lesson for everyone out there. Yep. That's, oh. I'm, I'll definitely make sure to tell my kid that. Listen, Dan Jr. or Danielle, <laughs> if someone's cackling, turn around and walk the other way. Yeah. Give uh, a wide berth. A very wide berth. Is that before or after you tell them they can't high-five or hug or anything like that? Uh, well, that's <laughs> if I have two kids. But if, if it's the one... It's cackling. I, I draw the line of cackling. Everything else is for, uh, is free game. Someone comes up with offering candy, you go. <laughs> I say you Unless take that. Unless they start cackling. Yeah, if they're cackling, then turn around. And that, that's the end of the movie. It's fun. It's, yeah, it's a good fun movie. movie. If you haven't seen it, 
definitely suggest it. It's possible that you haven't seen it. Um, yeah, if you like Reanimator especially too, check yeah. this one out. Hundred percent. And that, yeah, I think I think the endorsement of the non-horror fan here should go a long way to some watchers. Yeah, I agree. You know, that's a that's a great way to say it, Mark. I would yeah. say if this is something because it's not overly gory. I mean, it's it's gory, but yeah. like it's not. I, I mean, to, to both gory. your standards, it's probably not. Yeah. In fact, it's, it's more it's more slimy than it yeah. is gory. Yeah. Right. But I mean, yeah, obviously there's, you see Ken Foray's skeleton. There's a guy who's just like dripping flesh. Heads get torn off, but it's not bloody. There's not like entrails coming out and blood splattering everywhere. Uh, But yeah, it it does satisfy the, like the the gore hound in you. Uh, It's cheesy acting. You get some, you get nudity in it and, you know, obviously it's quality um yeah it's it it really just it has all it checks off all the boxes man it it has great creature design hammy acting ken foray in boxers like tidy like tight underwear so i feel like right that's a box that you check off right yeah it's got something for everyone yeah absolutely doesn't matter what what race gender sexual orientation there's definitely something in this movie for you yeah it's you got barbara <laughs> crampton naked and you got ken foray half naked there you go like come on man it's this is the movie <laughs> would you guys do anything to make this movie better mm, i don't know i don't think so i i like this movie a lot it's this is uh this is right up there with reanimator two movies that are cult this one should be a cult classic if it hasn't reached that status and judge uh, you never really hear about it so judging from that it probably hasn't as the same level as reanimator um yeah i again i like that it's set in really the the house and but yeah. the hospital uh two very creepy places obviously in this in insane asylum and a mad scientist's house the the creatures are phenomenal the practical effects are top notch i don't know i don't think you can i wouldn't yeah. change anything about it yeah yeah make it longer and grittier no yeah just kidding. yeah oh. the, the old the old standby <laughs> make it 15 uh, minutes longer and grittier um no i think the only thing that i wish for that didn't happen was i was hoping that that nurse doctor from the insane asylum um uh, had a death from one of the creatures rather than um just jeffrey combs yeah. eating her eye out or something like that or whatever happened there you know, like, you know, I, I, I don't know exactly what I was looking for, but I, I always like when somebody's such an asshole about things, um, when we know the truth, um, to have them see the truth before they die sort of thing, okay. sure. you know, is, is all I would want. But I don't know how you would put it in that movie because there'd be no reason for those things to be there, okay. you know, sort of thing. But that that's about it. That's the only thing that was, you know, that I wanted to happen that didn't happen. But it's just it's just the you know, type of revenge stuff in this, in these type of movies that I like to see. Maybe have uh, Dr. Pretorius like Ripper in half or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, you know, even that little thing come out of his head and go in through her skull or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, just, just something like that. Not the same thing he gave the two characters we don't care about out by the ambulance doc, you know? So yeah. Yeah. That's better. Yeah, I I wouldn't really change much. I would the, I was thinking it probably would have been interesting to see like a as we were talking about trying to figure out if Bar if Barbara Cranston's character was the antagonist or the protagonist, and it would have been interesting if they leaned more into her being like some sort of antagonist, like maybe she had a history with 
Pretorius previous to him because we never really see too much about his like we get mention of his like weird kind of sex life but we never really dive too far into it so maybe she had some sort of connection with him and she was trying to she was obsessed with the the resonator in terms of like make a connection with him again what if because she mentions uh what is it the uh dementia is it Mm -hmm. so maybe schizophrenia schizophrenia so like her father had schizophrenia right like it's a family member of hers has schizophrenia and maybe pretorius kind of used her like i you know i can help your family but you gotta visit my sex dungeon first right and she was she was young and naive and he did some crazy shit to her maybe or not me it doesn't even have to be crazy he just you know he had sex with her whatever just basic um and she she wants to get back at him or maybe yeah maybe that that's the kind of connection that you get there yeah yeah, I don't know if necessarily if it would make it better. It's just something that I was thinking of, something that connects the dots a little more. Sure. Now, now throw it at you. When you guys were watching this for the first time, um, was there at any point you were worried that the very end was just going to be a shot of her in a mental hospital and it was just that she was crazy and none of that happened? No. Sort of no, no, I did not. Okay. I never came across. No. Yeah, thank okay. God. I was hoping that that didn't happen, <laughs> but that was crossing my mind, especially with the cackling at the end. Yeah. You know, I was I was waiting for a a, a dissolve or a crossfade or something, and it's just her in a padded room. You know. Yeah. Right. I would have from the beginning. That would have been a bummer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was yeah. the only one that was being really cynical about this uh i guess it's i guess that's it you guys want to plug your shit yeah uh follow me on twitter at dan aquino uh, sorry at the aquino 122 my name is dan aquino so uh yeah go follow me there follow stranger damies at stranger damies on instagram and twitter and yeah that's about it so we have our other podcast uh our D podcast as dan mentioned stranger damies airs every wednesday um our next um uh, session um i believe at this point the episode that airs before this will be the last one of the main story session before extra life um so the next time you'll see the continued adventures of the wild stallions will be for our extra life um and you know uh, so be sure to, to tune in for that and then we have a special one which uh we won't spoil here that'll be the following episodes after that um, and then we have our uh, gaming podcast, Game Vault Pod, um, which you can find by searching the game, game, the Game Vault Podcast. Um, we were also on Twitter and Instagram at Game Vault Pod. Um, and then, as I had mentioned, we're doing um, Extra Life, which is our 24-hour gaming marathon to raise money for the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Um, the uh, starts at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, so we'll do a four hour or so, maybe a little less session of Stranger Damies, and then we'll get into our video game playing, uh, you know, playing some first person shooters, Jackbox party pack stuff, multiplayer games, racing, retro new stuff, just everything. If you have any suggestions, feel free. You can send it to basically any of our socials. Um, if you happen to be interacting with one of us and you just want to throw it out there, feel free. Um, the website, by the time this episode airs, will be live. Um, so the tiny URL um, should be on one of the uh, uh, Twitters that, that has been mentioned. Um, and you can donate um, there until the end of the year. Uh, but as I've been saying, you can donate whenever you want or not at all. You know, if you can't donate, I understand it's been, you know, a rough year. Uh, 
you know, best thing would be to signal boost it or just join us in the chat and just, you know, during the uh, stream. But if you are planning on donating and timing doesn't really matter for you, like you don't need it for paychecks or anything like that, um, I'd recommend holding on to it until November 7th because there's probably going to be some fun things that you can put your money towards um, to make us do or goals for us to hit for certain things. Um, so, you know, uh, you know, be on the lookout for that during the stream. Um, and then, yeah, whenever you uh, donate, we will make sure to shout you out on one of the streams because um, we do stream uh, four nights a week, um, you know, uh, Wednesday, uh, Thursday, uh, Friday or Saturday and Sunday um, and every other Monday. So if you donate any time between when you're hearing this till the end of the year, you will you will get a shout out from us. So once again, November 7th, uh, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard. OK. And this is They Called Us a Movie. You can find us at theycalledusamovie.podbean.com and on all podcast streaming apps just by searching They Called Us a Movie. We are themaindamey.com. You can find us on all social by just searching The Main Damey. We're That's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at The Main Damey. We're also a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find them at gbnation.com and on all socials and podcast streaming apps just by looking for Geek Vibes Nation. Bunch of great shows on there. Top 10 with Tia. Seen and Nerd, Gutting the Sacred Cow, a bunch of other great shows. If there's something that you are interested in that is slightly geek-like, you surely can find a show for you. Uh, that's going to wrap it up. I'm at Antelvec on Twitter. You can hit me up there or at the main name. I'm there, too. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, want to suggest a movie for us, hit us up at the main name at gmail.com. And we'll probably get to it eventually once we wrap up our 31 Days of Horror once again, themaindamey.com is doing 31 Days of Horror all month long, so check that website for a whole bunch of articles throughout the month. And that's going to wrap it up. This week, the director of From Beyond was Stuart Gordon. So, for Dan Aquino and Mark Myers, this is Anthony Lavecchio telling Stuart Gordon, well, you certainly made a movie, didn't you? Thank you.